All right, good morning, church. It's great to be here. For those who don't know my name, my name is Howard, and I'm part of the Sydney Church of Christ. You may have guessed this already, but I too am part of the Hope Volunteer Corps. Hope Corps! Awesome. Right, And like we shared before, uh, we've been here for exactly a week now, and we've been here serving at the Mariah Community Centre. And just a few photos of what we've been up to. So this is a group. 40 brothers and sisters from all around the world gathered here in Auckland to surf, right? And what we've been doing, we've been getting our hands dirty, we've been planting, we've been digging holes, and here's one of the photos of the sisters planting, uh, the, um, yeah, planting one of the plants. <laughs> and here's the sisters getting their hands dirty with some cement mixing. Amen to that. And here's the shade house that we're trying to build. So right now, all the framework is done. We just need to get some gravel onto the base. But this is the person that I want to lift up or also question at the same time is this photo. Timothy, right? Timothy Tankerel. How on earth does one person simply break a pickaxe on impact? How does one do that, right? But the, the, the crazy thing is that he didn't just break one. He broke two in one day. I don't know what you guys are feeding your kids here in New Zealand, but it's not normal, right? And if you guys are wondering where all the hope funds are going to, we're funding Timothy with his pickaxes, right? But today for us... It is a special Christmas service for us. And it's an honor, right, for the Hope Corps to take part in service. And it's an absolute honor for me to share to you guys a few thoughts on God's Word today. And for today, I'm going to be talking about what Christmas is all about, right? What Christmas is all about. Christmas marks the birth of Jesus, Right, and for those who don't know who Jesus is, he's the he is God's son who walked this very earth. Right, he lived his life serving people around him. He taught other people about God, and at the end of his life, he sacrificed himself on the cross for our sins. Right, and without Jesus, I wouldn't be here today. Without Jesus, you wouldn't be here today. And without Jesus, there'll be no point in life, right? And that's what Christmas is all about. The celebration of Jesus, because with Him, we get to live life to the fullest. And today's Christmas church for us, church service, is important for us to not miss the most important thing in life, which is Jesus, right? And as we're approaching Christmas in two days' time, it's important for us to be focused, to really think about what we're seeing, truly think about what we're really doing, right? Because a lot of the times during Christmas, I can become so busy, right? I've got to get back home in time to celebrate with my family. I've got to think about gifts, gifts for this person, gifts for that person. I've got to make sure my schedules is organized for hangouts and meetings, for Christmas parties and whatnot. I mean, that's good, but this is the time of the year where I should remember Jesus the most, right? right? And I've been trying to concentrate on this recently because I don't want to miss out on what Christmas is all about. And it's funny, I remember a few years ago, I, I went to a birthday party, and it was totally fun with all my high school friends there. We ate, we hang out, we caught up, you know, whatever. But you know, we have a laugh as well. But as I was heading home, I was like, wait, yeah, that was a birthday party. I didn't even say happy birthday to my friend. I just got so wrapped up having fun with everyone else. When it's time to say goodbye, I didn't even say happy birthday. I just totally forgot. And I think, how many times do we do that? During Christmas, 
right? Where after the fact, we're like, yeah, we are celebrating Christmas. It's all about God. It's all about Jesus, right? And do I really, just start to think, do I really spend that time alone thanking that God came down, became a man? Do I at least thank God for him being born and really, really thank God because of that? For today's service, I really don't want to miss out and what Christmas is all about. And I just started to ask myself, it's like, Howard, okay, why is Christmas so important to me, personally? And I was just started to think, I was like, well, first of all, Jesus is the best display of love this world has ever seen. He's the best display of love through God, right? And by Him being born, that marks the day that we were all allowed to witness that, view it, and see how much God loves us, right? And the more I study Scripture about God, the more I realize how much He loves me. And realizing how much He loves me fuels my Christianity, right? I'm heading towards seven years as a Christian, and that's what's keeping me going. The love of God. So for today, I'm not going to quote-unquote preach to you guys, right? I'm just going to expose and display how deep is God's love for us, right? How deep is God's love for us? And hopefully we can live, leave today thinking because of His deep love for us, there's nothing on this earth that will give you more pleasure than knowing God intimately. There's nothing, and be so convinced of that, that you pursue Him more than anything else in this world. So the title, and the only big point for today, is Fueled by Christ's Love. Fueled by Christ's Love. And if you have a Bible, can you please turn to John chapter 11, verse 1 to verse 5. In John chapter 11, verse 1, it reads, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for, for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Amen. Alright. And have you guys ever said something? And once you said it, you immediately regretted it. Right? Once you said it, in the heat of the moment... You regret it, right? And people say, in the heat of the moment, you say things you don't mean, right? But I'd argue, I'd argue in the heat of the moment, what you really think, what you really mean, when the pressure's on, where the circumstance gets heated, what you're really thinking, what you really mean comes and slips out, right? And Mary and Martha, they're in one of these Situations. They were in one of these moments. The heat is on. Their baby boy, their little brother Lazarus is on the doorsteps of death. They need a miracle. They need a healing. And they need a deliverance. Right? So in the heat of the moment, in heart of the sickness, in heart of the disease, they get this idea. And commentary says that Jesus is probably six miles down from the road, around 10 kilometers, which is quite a trip by foot. So they send a runner, right? So they send note, they send word saying, basically they send a note together to send it down the road to Jesus, right? But if, because they understood that they needed God, they needed Jesus to come here to heal our baby brother, 
But if you, I'm going to ask you guys, if you could have one note, if you could have one note to save your sibling's life, if you could have one note to save your baby brother's life, if you could have one note to save your family member's life, to save one of your loved ones, what would you write? What would you write? I want you to think about that for a moment. What would you write if you could save someone's life? And I just started to think. I'm like, yeah, I know what I'd write. I know what I'd say. I start listing their characters. I start listing their qualities. I start listing uh, you know, all the good things that I've done. I'm like, okay, if I, if I really want to save Monique's life, right? Oh, Monique, she served you all these years, right? She helped many people become Christians. She helps the poor weekly. She, she prays every day. She helps lead the profession and campus. And, and I start telling, God, Monique, she's one of the good people. You need to keep her around. Right? But the context of Mary and Martha's note is so fascinating, right? If we look at it, you look at exactly what the note says. It goes, Lord, which is a good way to, when you're approaching God, you know, good start. God, Lord, great start. But right after Lord, what I anticipate is, Lord, Lazarus, the one who loves you so, so, so much. Oh, Lord Lazarus, the guy who's always been there carrying your bag from the beginning. Lazarus, the one who's always praying every single day at the synagogue. Oh, Lazarus, who, who's studying the scripture. He's one of the good guys. You know, Lazarus, you need to keep him around. Right? But Mary and Martha's note says, Lord, the one you love is sick. Right? Isn't that interesting? They appealed not for Lazarus' love for Jesus, but the appeal for Jesus' love for Lazarus. Isn't that interesting? Like you find a trend in the New Testament narrative that those closest to Jesus on this planet seem to be preoccupied with Jesus' love for them rather than their love for Jesus, right? And if we want to be close to Jesus, we too need to be preoccupied with God's love for us, right? And you know, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they're the closest natural family to Jesus on the planet other than his own family. They were so close to Jesus. Second last week of Jesus' life was spent exclusively with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were so close to Jesus. They were so near to Jesus. But look at the theme of their relationship. is not their love for Jesus, but rather than Jesus' love for them. And for instance, John the disciple, right? The closest disciple to Jesus, he too picks up on this trend, right? He too seems to be preoccupied with Jesus' love for them rather than his love for Jesus. He nicknames himself, which is totally unacceptable. If you're going to get a nickname, get someone else to nickname for you, right? And his nickname is totally socially unacceptable, but, but John did it anyway, right? And he writes himself this, which is just as awkward as the fact that he, he names himself. He writes himself in third person, right? Which is super awkward. He goes, Hi, I'm John, the disciple whom Jesus loves, right? Imagine if I went around on campus introducing myself. Hi, my name is Howard. I'm the brother that Jesus loves. Come on, man. Right? You guys would be like, mm, weird guy, moving on, right? But like, that's weird. Like, John, are you inferring that you're exclusively the only disciple Jesus loves? Like, he has any favorites, right? But you know how many times John labels himself this? Not once, not twice, 
not three times, but five times. John calls himself, himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And you know what's amazing to me? Is the fact that it's canonized. It's put in the inspired book. So it's telling me when John wrote this, right? God is saying, yes, I totally agree with that, John. That is inspired. That's exactly how I feel about John. He's the one I love. He is my favorite. Isn't that amazing? Right? But many of us don't really feel this way. Or many of us don't really act this way. Like, like I'm one of his favorites, God. And the theme of the Bible isn't about... Your love for God, it's about God's love for you. All right. And this, this leads to the next scripture, John 3, verse 16. And this is probably one of the most famous scriptures there is. It's all on the billboards in America. It's on every single ad. And it's probably one of the most famous scriptures. And in John three sixteen, it goes, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal life. Have you guys ever thought how ridiculous this passage of scripture is? Have you guys just ever thought just how out of, out of control this verse is? God doesn't say he loves. He says he so loves, right? I'm a pretty basic guy, but so you put the so in front of the love, it means it's emphasized. It means it's amplified. It's like, it's intense love. It's obsessive love. It is like, so love. It's like, hey man, I love you. Can we, hey man, I so love you, right? I can tell Dave, I love him, but the moment I say, bro, I so love you, it gets weird, right? right? It's like, wow, that's too much love. That's intense love. But the Bible says, he so loved the world. And the word world in the original language speaks of the sinful system and the people in it. So essentially it means God loves bad people. Right? Right? God loves bad people. He doesn't just love bad people. He's obsessed with bad people. And when I first understood the scripture, I was like, wait, wait, wait. God, you have a serious problem. Right? You have a serious problem. Like, God, you're obsessed with people. That probably won't reciprocate your affection and your emotions. You're going to spend the efforts and your energy, and I guess according to scripture, spend the life of your son with no guarantees. Right? You're going to get the life of your only son for people who don't even care to, to consider your extravagant, extensive gift for us. Right? God so loved bad people. Right? And I just started to think, that's not how we normally do things here on this earth, God. Right? I mean, I had a friend called Derek. Right? Derek used to get me to take money from my parents' piggy bank so we can go buy some snacks together. Right? Right? And my parents found out what was happening between me and Derek. Derek disappeared from my life. I don't know if Derek is still alive today, right? But I don't know about your parents, but with my parents, if I had a friend that was not good for me, I never heard from bad friends again. They were removed, right? And I was just thinking, God, that's how we do things down here on this earth. That's the right way to do things, right? We don't kick it with bad people. But it says God is obsessed, with bad people. And furthermore, he gave his only son so that whoever, wait, what? Whoever, right? Right? Whoever acknowledged shall receive. And that thought made me think even further as well. Like, God, 
That's not how we do gifts down here either, God. Right? If someone gave, if I gave someone food as a gift, I expect him to say, thank you and eat it, right? If they're not gonna eat it or not gonna be grateful, I ask for it back. So I can eat it myself or give it to someone who is grateful. Right? Right? It's God being normal and reciprocating gratitude. Right? But God was so moved by bad people that he said his only son and then at the end of what he gave was a whoever whoever and the word that it's used for love as some of us know this the greek word is the word agape right it's the word agape it's a word exclusively used for the love expressed by god our creator and agape isn't the love that we function here on this earth, right? Isn't the love that people get married with. And as much as Dave loves Megan, it's not agape, right? And then that marriage, they probably went through vows like, you promise to love her, you promise to love her, you promise to love her. I do, I do, I do. You promise to love you, you promise to love you, you promise to love you. I do, I do. Okay, kiss, you guys are good, right? It's promise loved. It's reciprocated a lot. People don't get married with a girl running at the other side of the aisle. I hate that guy! And then the guy going, yeah, I'm still going to marry her because I love her. Right? Marriage is a love that is reciprocated. Agape is a love that doesn't need to be reciprocated. God goes, I love every single person in this room regardless of their reciprocation from me. Agape, it's unconditional love. It's towards us. It is for us. It is obsessive love. It is not exclusive. God is obsessed with bad people and his love is relentlessly, relentlessly towards us. It does not stop. It cannot stop, right? Right? God cannot help himself but to be obsessed with bad people. That's what moves God, his own love for us. And Mary and Martha's note, they wrote, Lazarus, the one you love is sick. They used the word phileia, right? The only love that they knew. Phileia, the word, is reciprocated love. It's brotherly love. It's marriage love. It's the love that we interact with on this earth. And the note says, God, the one you, phileia, is sick, right? Mary and Martha, they haven't even scratched the surface yet, right? The one you fillet up, please come and heal him. And in verse 5, it seems like a harmless verse, right? And sometimes you read scripture like, oh, I don't know if that's too necessary, right? This verse, I don't think it adds too much to the narrative or the context. And in verse 5, it goes, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. Like, he loves them, I get it. They're good friends, they're homies, I get it, right? But if you look at the word that Jesus used, it's not filet at all, right? John is trying to communicate to us that Jesus doesn't filet Lazarus. He doesn't filet you, he agapes you. His love for you is unconditional, it is relentless, it has no end, and it remains towards you forever. Right? You know what the good news is? The good news is God so loved bad people. Because if He didn't love bad people, we would never be loved. We would never be loved. And it is at our highest honor and it is our highest good in existence for those to accept it and have their eyes opened. Right? Let's not take for granted this love that is custom made, that is tailored made for bad people, right? And after understanding script, this scripture, I was like, that's the God 
that I want to follow. Right? That's the God that I want to follow. This Jesus who loves me so much. That's what keeps me going, knowing that I'm being supported and loved by God who loves me regardless. And even in my worst moments, He loves me. And for those who don't know what, what does it mean to accept this gift, study the Bible with the person that brought you here. Understand and know what it's like to understand what this love is and understand what it's like to accept this love, right? Even in my worst moment, He so loves me. Of course, I want to serve Him. So guys, as I wrap it up for today, I just wanted to say, Merry Christmas, right? This is what Christmas is all about. It's for us to be reminded by how much God loves us. He loves us so much. It is agape love. It is a love that does not need to be reciprocated. So let's be instead be motivated by this love and reciprocate it wholeheartedly. Merry Christmas. To God be the glory. Amen.